and welcome to StarkCast. I'm Joe Stark, and tonight I'm talking with my friend Rebecca Daling of PicardCast. What's up? Hey, thanks for having me. It's been so long since we got to talk. It's been far too long. I'm very excited to have you back on. Yeah, same here. I always enjoy talking to you. Oh, so how's Picard? Jeez, uh, I just cannot get that freaking name out of my mouth today. How is Picard cast going along? You know, it's it's going really well. I mean, this week is, uh, well, that we're recording. Uh, this week is episode five of season two of Picard. Uh, so this is this week we'll, we will be halfway through season two, um, which has just flown right by. Um, yeah, I mean... If anybody who's listening to this knows me, they know how much I love Star Trek. So uh, Picard, uh, the Picard series was something I was, you know, eagerly looking forward to when they announced season one a couple years ago. And and now with season two out, um, I just love it. I mean, I'm I'm totally biased. I admit it. I, you know, it's very hard for me to watch a Star Trek property and be like, eh, I don't really like this that much. Uh, but I, I genuinely really, really do love uh, the show. And I think season two, for me anyway, has just even been better than season one. And I, I enjoyed season one a whole lot. Yeah, I really enjoyed season one as well. It's on, I think, Paramount Plus, right? Yeah, it's behind a paywall, which really sucks. Um, and and because of that, I haven't watched any of season two yet, but I loved season one. Mm, I got you. I got you. Well, when when we're done recording, Joe, I will hook you up with a way to watch season two. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> I mean, I would never like share passwords or anything no. with ne- people Netflix that are is, not like, furiously taking notes. I know, right? Oh, oh, really? Now, <laughs> write that down, ne- Mister Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear that you're liking season two, though. Um, uh, the big news of it, if I remember correctly, was that they were bringing uh, Q back in. What do you think of the yes. way that they've done that so far? You know, really great, actually. I read a, an article or like an interview that John Delancey did um, before uh, season two came out. And one of the questions that they asked him was like, what was the big draw for you to return to this character? Um, because much like Patrick, Sir Patrick Stewart, um, you know, he had kind of hung up the uniform after the last TNG movie, uh, Nemesis and was like, I'm, I'm done with this character. Um, so for him to come back to it, you know, Sir Patrick talked a lot about like, it was the script, it was the story that really brought him back. And for John Delancey, for him, his thing was, I I would love to come back and reprise this character but I do not want to come back as just like a member Barry character. Like, oh, remember Q? Oh, isn't that great? <laughs> like, if you're going to bring me back, then I want Q to have a significant and important story that he's here to tell. Like, we haven't seen him in decades, li- literally decades, interaction with Picard. Why, why now? And it has to be a good reason and when they showed him the script and they showed him what was going on, he was like, for this, I will come back. And uh, I I always, I felt very excited by that because I was like, this is a, an actor. He's like, he's like a character actor, a journeyman actor. He's been in a million things. Um, and I think for him to revisit this role that's so iconic to so many people, I think for him, it had to be more than just a glorified cameo. Oh, of course. I'm, I'm, you know, I really thought the script was there in season one. 
So really glad to hear that that was the, you know, it was the script that really pulled him in for season two. Um, I remember quite a bit of season one. I remember my favorite character being that new captain they introduced and then the ship's AI like takes on different versions of him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Captain Rios. Yes. Captain Played Rios. By, Big yeah. fan of him and his ship. And That's just great. the the actors incredible too. All the different like bits and performances and stuff he was able to put on in, in that one show is really, really fun. You know, I have to say, I really haven't, I, I was ignorant to this actor's work before the show, um, Santiago Cabrera. I was ignorant to his work, but like seeing what he's done with these different versions of himself that he played in season one, like each hologram that he created was like it looked just like him but it had a different personality depending on what he needed the hologram to do and um i i think it takes a very good actor to play um excuse me like various versions of themselves and do it believably and do it in a way that the audience wants to see more like he's he's very talented clearly um yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that as well as part of season one. I mean, because that is one of those performances that in the wrong hands, it could come off really campy oh, and like really dumb. But, 100%. but it, it, it came off like not dumb, but like very, you know, at times humorous, at times very heartfelt. Um, you know, it's just it, it made it more compelling. It made him as a character more compelling. And also his ship, which is kind of, you know, a character in itself as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, you know, one of the things I love about Trek is like all of the I, I love all the science fiction stuff. I love all the techno babble. I love all of the the gadgets and I love all the the tech, you know, involved in that stuff. Um, and and his ship was very tech heavy, right, because it had all these different holograms and the way that he interacted with the ship and the way that he could pilot the ship with like. You know, much like in like the Marvel universe, like with with uh, Tony Stark, like he he would pull up like these interactive like holograms and he could like tap stuff and do stuff and um and, and manipulate machinery to, you know, to build something it, very similar to how like Captain Rios uh, commands his ship. So that's that that's I enjoy that as well. It's pretty cool. So he's is he back in the second season then too? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. He's definitely in the second season. Um, you know, all the characters have changed. I don't, I don't want to spoil anything because you haven't watched season two <laughs> yet. But like all, all the characters, you know, have definitely grown and changed and have sort of new paths in season two. Um, and some are on uh, maybe new paths, but some are on paths they've been on before um and i'm not giving anything away here because this was shown in the trailers there is time travel involved in season two it's a very typical trek story to have time travel involved you know um that's fun oh yeah yeah i mean i enjoy it i i know there's plenty of star trek fans out there who were like oh time travel again um (laughs) i get it It, it, it's like when you turn on tng and like oh it's a holodeck episode oh okay yeah the holodeck goes crazy again and uh, yeah it's kind of like that holodeck's always going crazy oh god it's a holodeck episode everyone's (laughs) gone nuts and everybody's in danger and the holodeck's gonna blow up and yeah i know there are absolutely those tropes in star trek and i don't know i find it very comforting but I i find tropes in the in the shows and the movies that I love 
I find them very comforting because I know what's going to happen. <laughs> it just makes me like feel good. I I don't know. It's I I does that make sense? What I just said? no no it absolutely does because it's you know it's not throwing anything that's a real curveball your way, and so you're able to just kind of settle down with it and 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 be comfortable with it. Whereas like like I know you're doing a rewatch of Game of Thrones right now. Mm-hmm. That show really thrives on doing the exact opposite of that or or lulling you into this sense of security oh that <laughs> that they are doing the trope and then they pull it out you know pull the rug out from under you and and Dude. just flat out murder people that you never thought you would see murdered oh my God. so <laughs> with game of thrones that was not a show i got into when it was airing live for whatever reason i think i didn't have hbo um and this was like pre like when you could this was like pre like the the era of the streaming service so like i had like a cable box and we didn't have like the channel hbo so i never watched game of thrones so then we like i guess we up no we got like a month free of hbo or something so i started to watch season one and then i was like oh my god there there's so much like blood and gore and i'm not like I'm certainly not against that stuff because I watch plenty of stuff that has that. But like they were like constantly stabbing people in the neck and there was like blood <laughs> gushing everywhere. And they killed a lot of animals on screen. And I know that they're fake animals, but like I, I find that very hard to watch. Like I I could watch a soldier, you know, cut down an entire, you know, group of other soldiers and I'm like, wow, that was wow, look at that guy go. But then I see like, you know, a dog. I, I, I couldn't watch John Wick for like two years because I knew the dog mm, died. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> like that's what bothered me. Not that John Wick was shooting everybody, but the dog died. Um, but yeah, it took me a while to get into it. So then when I finally was like, you know what? I'm just going to bite the bullet. I'm going to watch it. I watched like seasons one through like four or five. Like just i binge them and let me tell you something i do not recommend that because (laughs) that's pretty much what i did also i started watching it right when season five was starting and Mm -hmm, so i mm -hmm. binged one through four and then about half of five before i was caught up to to live tv and i think Lindsay started watching it maybe a season or two later and so she had an even longer run that she binged all of it. And yeah, it's especially if it's for me, I kept watching it at night and it'd be like, okay, one more episode, one more episode. Oh, that's and then before the you know it, you're going yeah. to bed at like one in the morning. And I oh, remember yeah. finishing the red episode or the red wedding episode at like one in the morning. And I'm like, how the fuck am I going to fall asleep now? Oh my gosh. You know, and the thing is this, um, so I had, n- I had not read the books either, but yeah, I have a lot of, I have a lot of friends who had read the books and who had said, oh, the books are superior, which, uh, duh, we all know books are always superior to the show. <laughs> um, like, I get that because I, I could be a little bit of a – sometimes I could be a little snobby with stuff like that. I try not to be, but, like, I've fallen into that myself. But, like, um, so last year for Christmas, I asked for the Game of Thrones books as a gift. Um, I, had, I have, like, a, a, a group of friends that, like – instead of like trying to surprise each other, we, you know, we kind of just started doing this. Um, so like, what, what do you want? Make a list of what you want. We'll do our best to get, you know, each other, everything that we want. So I listed like the game of Thrones books. And, and so I got them as a really nice set, um, really nice, uh, 
small books. I mean, they're, they're like small size. So it's great for like commuting. I can just throw it in my backpack. Um, so I started reading the books and I was like, oh, man, I want to watch the show again. So then I started watching the show as I'm reading the books. The problem is I've, I've been – I've fallen into the binge again. So now <laughs> I've, I've watched further than I am in the books. So I'm like, all right. I had to pause the rewatch because now I'm getting like – it's all mixed up in my head of what happens when. <laughs> so I'm like, no, no, no. Let me, let me get through some more of the books and then I'll go back to the show again. So, yeah, when I got to The Red Wedding – I was just like, oh, God, I forgot how bad this is. I forgot how sad this is because I loved Rob Stark. Oh, my God. I absolutely loved everything about the character. I loved the actor, Richard Madden, who portrayed him. I just thought he was such a real noble character. Like, I just loved everything about Rob Stark. And so when I watched it for the very first time, right, the Red Wedding. I had friends who had, when I had told them I was watching Game of Thrones for the first time, they were like, have you gotten to the Red Wedding yet? No. Oh, God. All right. Just, you know, when you get there, just, you know, it's rough. And I'm like, oh, okay. But I, so I'm watching the show. People are dying left and right. When they killed Ned Stark in the first season, I was like, all right, nobody's safe. I got it. I understand <laughs> that nobody is safe. But when they killed Rob Stark, and then they killed Catelyn Stark. And then they killed Rob's wife, who was pregnant. Ugh. I was like, oh, no. This, this is too... I had to go lay down for like an hour. It was rough the first time I watched that. I almost didn't want to go back and watch more. But, of course, I did. And I watched the whole thing. But, like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's so I'm, I'm re-watching it now. Got to the Red Wedding again. And then I was like, I think I'm going to pause right here. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step away for a little bit. But I'm still reading the books. I'm in book three. So. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. I just started book three. And um, I know that they're supposed to be seven. But George R.R. R. Martin hasn't written six or seven yet. And uh, yeah, I don't know if he ever will. I mean, do you think he'll finish the books? I, I don't know at this point. It, it really, really makes you wonder. Because it, it's like he. And, and I totally understand you know, having a big project looming over you that you desperately sure. want to finish, but you're absolutely open to every single distraction of a new project that comes through that seems like it would be easier to do and knock it out. And especially if he's, you know, turning it over, you know, to, to make money, um, hmm. you know, not to say that Winds of Winter won't make a fucking mint when it does fucking finally get published. If sure. Ever, but it's like, come on, man, there's a huge fan base out there <laughs> that is like really waiting for this stuff. And like, you're almost alienating your fan base every time you come out with a new announcement of something different you're working on. You know what I almost feel like? I almost feel like, and I don't know if this is how he feels. Like, I don't know George R. R. Martin personally, but like, it almost feels like he's afraid to write them and, and disappoint the fan base. Because I'm not going to lie, the last season of Game of Thrones was so disappointing for me. Um, oh, yeah, I, I totally get that because it should have been like two and a half seasons worth of storytelling, yes, really. Absolutely. And it's just one of those things of like, it just sort of like, it always sort of makes me scratch my head. The fact that, you know, HBO told the creators or the writers they weren't the creators the writers of the show will give you more episodes 
you can have more than six episodes. And they were like, nope, six episodes, all we want. And I feel like they kind of just wanted to wrap it up because, like, allegedly they were going to make a st- like some Star Wars films. And then that fell through because, like, would you hire those guys now? Well, fuck no. No. <laughs> no like, I mean, you, yeah. it's it, you can totally hang it on both of their heads that you guys, you know, was it Benioff and, Benioff and Weiss? It's like mm-hmm. you guys fucking, you totally screwed the pooch. On the end of this, you had like the most popular show in the world and you're just like yada, yada, yada at the end of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just really. And can we talk about how annoying Brandon Stark is? Oh, <laughs> my God. And this is nothing against the actor who portrayed him. It made people I'm... so mad that they made him king. I thought it was like, you know, like w- weirdness of his character and everything aside. I thought that was kind of cool because, I mean, that's probably about as close as you're going to get to like a philosopher king like somebody that's almost disconnected from humanity but can see into the future i mean it almost kind of ties into dune (laughs) in a little way you know having somebody who's king that can see the future sure Um, but not not that he can really see the future but i mean if you have a really great understanding of the past it can certainly help guide the ship right oh no absolutely like and i get like i get it like on this rewatch and then you know also reading the books i feel like i do understand like the third eye raven stuff a lot more uh, the, the three-eyed raven excuse me a lot more but like the way that they wrote bran especially as the show went on like every single person that came into bran's life like they were like the fucking red shirts on star trek like if you were gonna help brandon stark just go start digging your own grave because you're gonna have to sacrifice your life for this kid (laughs) and then you know at the end he's so like he's so sort of like this uber philosophizing person or who's like so above everybody else it's almost like he doesn't understand what people have sacrificed for him so like you know, the whole thing with Hodor, which I thought was so upsetting, how this poor guy, basically, Bran goes, uses his powers to go back in time to give this poor kid, like, a stroke or something, and all he can say is, hold the door, which becomes Hodor, for his entire life, so that he can... At the end of this one storyline, hold the door closed so that Brandon can escape. Poor Hodor, like the gentlest giant ever. And then, like, all these people die, and he's like, oh, yeah, thanks. Thanks? That's all you have to say? Like, really just, I just, I don't know what they were trying to do with that. I don't know how much of that is how, you know, Martin wrote him in the book and how much of that is interpreted by, you know... Weiss and Benahoff, I don't know, but God, that character is so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to go back to Third Eye Raven. <laughs> yeah, Third Eye Raven, yeah. Because I'm picturing them as like a minstrel band that entirely does Third Eye Blind covers at I Renaissance guess. fairs. <laughs> uh, thou dost not have to go home, but thou cannot stay in here. That, yeah. That's semi-sonic. <laughs> I am the uncoolest music person you will meet, as I just proved. So, whatever. Third Eye Blind. <laughs> I wish you would step back from that ledge, that ledge my friend. My friend. Yes. 
I know. It's all I could think of. Like, I, I made, like, a funny joke. I tried to make a funny joke. Thanks, Joe, for calling me out on my bullshit. I was trying to make a witty joke about Third Eye Blind. That fucking, that fucking semi-sonic song. My class. The class of 1999. Mm-hmm. <laughs> fucking chose a lyric from that, a fucking line from that fucking song as our class motto. And so really? it was up in big flowing fucking script behind us up on the stage during graduation oh my god every new beginning comes from some other beginnings end and it's like well oh. thank god that this chapter of fucking high school is closed because fuck this wow, place. Is deep joe real deep <laughs> yeah class of 99, oh, deep. <laughs> a lot of deep thinkers in my class <laughs> well listen i i went to i graduated 95 from high school so all through like Elementary school, middle school, and, like, most of high school, every assembly, every graduation, every event included the Whitney Houston song, um, I Believe the Children Are Future. Like, <laughs> I don't know if schools still, like, have that as a song that, like, kids sing or whatever. I'm so out of touch. I don't have kids, so I don't know. But, like, that song to me is, like, it was written for, like, school assemblies. Like, it's – and I, I know it wasn't, but it feels <laughs> like it was. I sang that song so many times throughout school. I just – if I never hear that song again, it'll be too soon. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's been one of, like, the, the key – best benefits of the boys switching to being homeschooled is no more school concerts. Nice. Oh, Very the nice. fucking worst. You're just sitting there in that folding chair. Like nobody wants to be there. Everybody's there mostly out of a sense of obligation. Sure. Like the, the music teacher just looks like she's hanging off to hanging on to the barest shred of her sanity that's left. <laughs> and like, bear in mind, this was the music teacher that was there when I was, the boys' age. <laughs> oh, boy. In the same yeah. school. And so it's just like, God damn. <laughs> She's seen some things, Joe. She's, She's seen, seen some a things. lot of crazy <laughs> shit. <laughs> you know, and it's so, like, it's so, I know, it's so, uh, you hate to almost say it, right? Because we all know that the arts are important. I know the arts are important. I know that, like, giving kids the chance to have that outlet of music and playing instruments or dance or art or whatever. I know that that's important in development for us as, as human beings. But like, I just think like to all of this, I think back to all of the assemblies that my parents went to, God bless them. They went to all of them. Uh, they were very, very like, they tried to be as like supportive and active as possible in our school like uh, events like that, but they must have just been like, "Oh boy, oh, and we've got four of these kids." Great. <laughs> <laughs> just like desperately flipping through the little program thing that they hand you when you walk in the door, and you're like, "Fuck, how many more how groups of kids?" This? How many? Uh, three songs each? Fuck. Oh, great. And this is pre-cell phone. You couldn't even, like, go on Facebook or whatever and, like, scroll. No, you had to sit there and, like, pay attention. Oh, my God. That was brutal. Yeah, don't miss that shit at all. I should tell them now that they have a concert, though, and just make them both stand in the living room and sing. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. 
Here's your recorder. Learn how to play hot cross buns. <laughs> recorder. Oh my god. Hot cross buns. Oh my goodness. I, I, Joe, I, I am feeling a little triggered right now. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I know. I, what is with the recorder? Is it just like they did like a study and they're like, it's like a, the it has a, like a really good characteristics of like easy to play and affordable to buy. <laughs> I think that's exactly what it is. And I, I don't know. I guess for some, I'm sure there were some kids who like got the recorder in their hands and like mastered it in a, in a day and were like, not that it was that hard to master. Sorry, kids. But like, it, it, but like it was, I'm sure that that was like a gateway instrument to like other things. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure you just described Kenny G's origin story. Oh my God. Kenny G. Remember when he was like everywhere and it was like, <laughs> why, why are you everywhere? <laughs> uh, why? It's very relaxing music. <laughs> yeah. It's it's put you to fucking sleep music is what it is. I I'm sorry, Kenny G, if you listen to this, I apologize, but I'm sorry, dude. You write boring music. I don't know what to say. It does sound like the sort of shit you'd hear in like a department store, like JC oh Penny or something. Oh my gosh, Kenny G. Oh my. One of my first office jobs that I had. So this was like in. Oh gosh, when would this have been? Uh, I think I was, I think I was there from like 98 to 99 or 98 to 2000, something like that. So it was like very soon after I graduated high school, I worked at this real estate office, this local place near where I lived. And, um, everybody who worked there was like a million years old. And, and that's not (laughs) me like being like oh my god old people no it was just that these this was an office where everybody who worked there had uh they just had they were just older people and they had a lot of experience and um so you know in the in the waiting room area where i sat you know as the receptionist we had a radio and they uh always wanted to play the oldie station and at that age Right. I was like, what, 20, 22. I didn't want to hear the oldies. I, <laughs> I wanted to hear something more, you know, modern. But of course, like being that everybody was like way older, they were like, this kid's music today, blah, blah, blah. So like the, the, the compromise to that was to put on the, uh, the light station. So anybody who's from New York uh, 106.7 light FM. It's still light FM. As far as I know, <laughs> that was, uh, that was the station that, um, was like the middle ground between the oldies and what was at the time modern. Um, and they played Kenny G so many <laughs> times. I mean, Oh my God. It was, it was really painful sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> i've heard that song way more than i ever wanted to in my life <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> well it was either that or it was like the oldies so like back in the 90s what were they playing they were playing like stuff from like the 60s and 50s which i mean i i enjoy i enjoy even now music from like the 60s 
because I grew up hearing it because my 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 parents would play it. But like, I like the Beatles and I like you know the Rolling Stones and stuff like that. But no, that's not what the oldie station would play. They would play like Chuck Berry and and not nothing against that music either. It's just that wasn't what I enjoyed at the time, <laughs> right? So it's not hip do, to do the fucking twist anymore. <laughs> not really. I mean, I don't think it's. I mean, at the time, I'm sure it was, but I don't think it it was when I was in the 90s anymore. I think that was it. It had come and gone, you know. <laughs> <laughs> The nineties. There are kids wearing their pants backwards. Nobody's oh doing my the god! Anymore. <laughs> Jesus. I do remember that. For I do remember. Oh my goodness! I do remember kids wearing their pants backwards. Um, I do quite remember also kids wearing and kids. I was part of it. I kids would wear three pairs of socks. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> no. Maybe that was an East Coast thing. I don't know. So like, like of varying a, lengths. Yes, because there was a way you had, and it was mostly the girls that did Because they had to overlap, right? Yes. So (laughs) usually the preferred colors were pink, blue, and white. So what would happen would be you would get your pink socks and they would be the tall ones. And then you would get like your white socks. How tall? Like knee high? Almost. Not not quite. More like maybe like mid-calf. Because what would happen would be you'd put on the three pairs of socks and then it had to be a specific kind because it had to be the ones that you could scrunch down and get a certain fold so that you would, but then you would, you'd be able to see all the layers. You had to see the layers, Joe. I <laughs> okay. So you put them all enough. on and then scrunch them down to like the top of and your shoe. And you'd scrunch them down so you would see a layer of blue, a layer of white and a layer of pink. And the pink was always like the biggest layer. Because you're a girl, and I guess apparently that, you know, gender norms and all that, we had to wear the pink socks. <laughs> yeah. um, and I remember being a kid and, like, begging my parents to please buy me. And I just remember my mom being like, why do you need so many socks? I don't understand. Why do you need so many socks all the time? And I'm like, because I have to wear three pairs of socks, mom. <laughs> Jesus. Ugh. And I did it. I wore the three pairs of socks. But then that meant, of course, I had to buy my shoes, my, my sneakers in a like a size larger. <laughs> right. Because I had layers of socks on or something. <laughs> like um like in the Alaska layering up to go outside. <laughs> That's what I was doing this winter. I was putting on like three pairs of wool I socks bet. on top of each other. Jeez. And, oh and like well, I got like wood floors all throughout my house mm-hmm. and very few rugs. <laughs> and so like with my standing desk, it was like my feet were just cold all the time. Oh, I bet, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I was had days where I was wearing three different pair of wool socks all stacked on top of each other. <laughs> Joe, if you'd been around in the nineties with that, you would have been cool, man, <laughs> really cool. But you had to wear the LA gears. Those were the those were the preferred sneakers to wear with those LA socks. Gears. LA gears. I remember yes, LA sir. gear shoes. In British have, British Knights. It's <laughs> another pair I of shoes I don't see ever anymore. I don't remember British Knights. I don't, I don't think I ever had a, mm, I don't think I ever had a pair of those. I was like obsessed with LA Gears because they were white and pink. I yep. was very into the gender norms back then, I guess. I didn't know any better. <laughs> but like I was into the I was into like the pink and the white. I was a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm picturing you with your socks at a new kids on the block concert. Hell yeah. Although, <laughs> excuse me. Although I, I, although I grew up listening to them and I loved them. I didn't go to a new kids on the block concert until they actually reunited in the two thousands. Um, I'd always wanted to go to a concert when they were, you know, performing and, you know, we grew up, we didn't grow up with a lot of money, right? It was four kids. Only my dad worked outside the home. My mom stayed home with us. So like concert money that did not exist. And, uh, the other thing was like, they were usually at like these really big venues with like a ton of people and my mom was always very like, oh, no, that's too many people. There's oh, everybody's screaming. And like that was never her scene. And uh, definitely wasn't my dad's scene either. So it wasn't like one of them was going to take me. So I never went to a New Kids concert when I was a teenager. But I did go as an adult when they uh, when they reunited in, in the 2000s. Um, and I went to like four of them. I <laughs> 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 New Kids concerts. And the New Kids Cruise twice, which I tell everybody I've done twice. I went on the New Kids Cruise. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and had a blast both times. You haven't lived, Joe, until you've been on a boat with 4,000 drunk 40-year-old women. I mean, you just, you have not lived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, a cruise is always one of those things that's always struck me as like, like, that's on my to-don't list. <laughs> to, like get on a big giant boat that is basically just like a resort that's on the water with tiny little rooms. And... Yeah, I, I get it. I mean, and the first, the only times I've been on a cruise, actually, no, that's is that true? The time, yeah, the only times I've been on a cruise is a new kids cruise. Like I've never gone on like a regular <laughs> carnival. Non- fuck that, new kids <laughs> cruise to like one of the islands. No, unless the new kids on the block are on and giving a concert every night i don't even want to hear about your cruise (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to know about your cruise yeah (laughs) gosh the the first concert i ever went to i was a kid and it was basically i was talked into going with them saying you've never been to a concert before you should do it okay and so i went with my mom and my aunt my my mom her sister and my younger sister, and it was to Sawyer Brown and Winona Judd. <laughs> oh my god! And I was in like middle school or something, and I remember actually being like pleasantly surprised by both of their performances. It was like a really, really, really good show, and oh, like wow. Sawyer Brown was like fucking hella entertaining, and just throughout the entire time he was on stage, it was just like a line of women just going up to the stage and handing him like long stem roses. To where at the end of his show, he had a literal armload of roses that he was carrying off the stage. And he made a joke about that he'd be, you know, standing out on the street selling roses. Joe, you're going to probably hate me for this. I don't know. I do not know who Sawyer Brown is. I'm so <laughs> sorry. I know who my name is. He's a very famous country singer in the 90s. Um, oh, I, I, will, I will send you one of his songs <laughs> okay. that will absolutely make you cry. So oh, just okay, okay. be prepared. I'm going to attempt to tell you about it without crying. Okay. Yeah, it's a called the I think it's called The Walk and it's this story it's like it tells this story that's like the point of view of this little kid and like you know like he like falls down or I'm I'm going to fuck this all up because it's really I just kind of remember the chorus line to it. Mm-hmm. But it's like things where like his dad was there 
to to like help him. And then like the chorus of it says something like, um, oh, how the fuck does it go? Something about like, oh, I've, you know, I've, I've, you know, don't worry, I've done this before too. And like the last verse of the song is uh, him putting his old, his now very old dad in a retirement home and his dad telling him, you know, don't be sad. I did this walk too. <laughs> Oh, there it is. Joe! <laughs> it is so fucking sad you? and so heart touching. Really? It's a beautiful so fucking song. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> but it oh, is Joe. It's one of those ones where it's like if I just like think of the chorus when I'm like in the shower or something like that, it's like I have to actively put it on my mind or I'll be like crying in the shower. Oh my god. <laughs> but it's a beautiful I, fucking song. It sounds very sweet and very Yeah, I um yeah, you can send me the song, you know, I mean, I, I, I cry every day anyway, because, you know, it's just because things are terrible. So why, why not? Like, uh, give me no, the, the line of the chorus, it goes, so dry your eyes. I understand just what you're going through. Uh, is it dry? So I dry your eyes. I understand what you're going through. I did the same walk with my old man. Boy, I've been in your shoes. Oh, it's my like, God. Oh, Joe, fuck. How dare you? <laughs> I mean, it is... We were having such a nice conversation. Hey, you said you'd never heard of Sawyer Brown. That's the first thing that popped into my head. <laughs> <laughs> no, I could see. No, I, I get it. That's a. I know that's like a real. Um, I, I know that that's like a real theme in a lot of country, especially like the older country stuff, like that really sad sort of like circle of life stuff. Um, and I didn't grow up listening to country music. And to be quite honest, I really don't care for it that much. No, Sorry, me neither. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't like shit that makes me fucking feel. The world's sad enough by itself. I don't need to participate in art that's going to make me cry. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's it's why whenever just... people are like, oh, you got to check out this drama movie. It's so heavy. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't want to fucking, I don't. No, thank you. <laughs> I, it's you know what that is a great um, example because I I often feel that way like sometimes people will like recommend a movie to me and they'll be like oh my god this movie is was amazing like it's so deep and and I'll read the synopsis and I'll be like oh no not today no 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 not I'm not <laughs> in the right space for this and I, and it's so funny because I was just thinking about this last night I was scrolling. Um, a streaming channel like looking for someone to watch last night and they were sh and they had they ha like had like oh you know leaving soon kind of a thing the movie precious and i am like somewhat ashamed to admit that i have never watched that movie and i will be honest with you i don't think i will ever watch that movie i just don't think i will ever be in the headspace to watch it yeah, and like, i get it I totally get and it. Every, and it's, I have so many friends who are like, oh, no, but you've got to watch it because it's an amazing film and there's amazing performances. And I'm like, don't get me wrong. I do not doubt that it is an amazing film. Excuse me. And it, it put it put um, Gabby, um, I think her last name is Sidibe, on the map, like, as an actress. And she's gone on to do, like, a lot of other things. Um I just I don't know if I will ever be in the headspace to watch certain films because there are just certain themes and certain things that just touch me so deeply or hit too close to home that I just like I, I just it's almost like reliving your own trauma. And, and it's so hard to do that. 
Yeah. Yeah. When I watch things, I get so like empathetic with the characters involved, like movies, like, you know, they're supposed to do that trick on you and make you feel close to the the characters and empathize with them and, and really feel what they're going through and stuff. And, you know, a movie or, or any piece of art that can do that successfully is fucking well done. But there's, there's just some, some of those emotional trips that I just don't want to sign up for. Oh, yeah. You know? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I no, mean, no, no. I, I, there's a reason that comic book movies are my favorite fucking genre. Right? <laughs> and and then there are movies that, like, you watch, and they are so amazing, but they are so hard to watch that you go, I will never watch this movie again. And it's not because it's a bad movie, but it's just, I don't think I can, I don't think I can watch this movie again. I think about a film like... um the film Detroit. I, I don't know if you've seen that one. It came out a few years ago. I didn't ago. see it, but I I remember the the I remember the the synopsis for it, and I remember when they yeah. were talking about it on. I think it was Pop Culture Leftovers. Getting angry while I was listening to the fucking episode, and I'm like, oh, oh Jesus! Like I I wanted to see that movie because I'm like I felt like it was an important movie to see, and it was directed by Catherine Bigelow who I am always 100% down to support a, a woman, a, a female directed uh, film or property or anything. Um, and I, I, so I, I went to see it in the theater. I wanted to support it and I left the theater shaking with rage. Like I wanted, like I left the theater and I, I'm like walking down the street in New York and, and, I like wanted to kick garbage cans. Like I was like so angry at the, at what the movie showed me as, and of course, you know, liberties are always taken in telling these stories. So I, you know, I don't, I don't expect that every single thing I saw in the film happened the way it happened, but enough terrible stuff happened in that movie that I I was just, Oh, I was so angry. Like even just talking about it now, I can feel like the rage building inside like the Hulk. And it's just like, oh, like it just it just it makes you want to like just go up to people and shake them and be like, stop doing shitty things like stop it. No, nothing makes me rage out like injustices like that or or when especially if when it's people who are in a position of authority are perpetrating those injustices in and they know for a full fucking fact that what they're doing is wrong and illegal and it doesn't matter because yeah. they're the ones that are fucking in charge and they're the ones who are going to have the say and oh nothing makes me more angry than that um like i felt the same way watching judas and the black messiah which was a fucking fantastic movie mm-hmm. but oh the end of that movie made me so fucking mad yeah it's just when you see, cause you see it enough in real life, right? Like you yes. see it, you see it every day. And especially if you are a member of a group that has been marginalized and treated shitty for centuries, like, you know, I, I understand that I, I like, I understand my, my privilege as a white person that I've been able to go through life having certain things not be an obstacle for me. But as a woman, there are things that are obstacles for me. And there are things there. I, uh, every day I butt up against the effects of the patriarchy. And I think like, okay, how much more is this 
frustrating and angering and just enraging for a black woman or an Asian woman or an indigenous woman or any other any other marginalized group that has just had to deal with this for centuries. It's just it when you see other people experiencing that kind of trauma, it's just, oh my God, is it so hard to watch? Because you just, when you have that sense of like, this isn't right, but you're like, but I'm like one person. What, what can I do? It's easy just to just, you know, you just want to take that rage. You just want to throw things. You just want to hit things because you don't know what else to do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I totally get what you say also about the, you know, you're not as affected by it as other people. And I mean, I can certainly relate to that being, you know, a white dude in, in Iowa, you know, mm-hmm. it's, but I'm also, I have fucking eyeballs and I see this stuff going sure. around in, I don't know, just being a little kid and reading about what America was in textbooks in school and, and feeling like a sense of like pride and wonderment at that. And then growing up and looking around and seeing the reality of what America is, is pretty fucking sure. disappointing. And, and when you see, yeah. you know, so many systemic injustices and the, the people at the top that are making these laws that do more to keep themselves in power than to, you know, right the wrongs in the country. It's, I, I don't know how it doesn't make somebody upset. <laughs> like, yeah. Like it blows my fucking mind. It's like, how do you see all that stuff? And you're not mad about it. Yes, it's it's uh it's it's one of those things where it's like, did you ever watch um the the series that was on Hulu called Mrs. America? Uh, no, no, but I remember it being discussed when it came out. Kate Blanchett, right? Yes, Kate Blanchett's in it. Um, who Kate Blanchett? I mean, my God, I just I just adore her. Like, I think she's given so many amazing performances throughout her career and she's really a chameleon too she really is like um i'm gonna get back to mrs america in a second but like even in a movie like the aviator which when it first came out i really didn't like it that much it's grown on me as the years have gone by um but she plays Catherine hepburn in that in that movie and if you're going to step into a role and be like, I'm playing Catherine Hepburn, you better like, you better fucking bring it. Like, because <laughs> that's Catherine Hepburn. Yeah, it's and like legit she, Hollywood royalty. She was a trailblazer and a, a very good actor and took on really iconic roles. And she was the person, one of the people that Hollywood really tried to squash because she would not conform to things that like women were supposed to be doing at the time right like like she wore pants which doesn't sound like a whole big deal but at a time where a lot of women didn't wear pants and only wore skirts and dresses and that was like the dress code for hollywood and she wore pants and like refused to not and refused to be like no i'm not going to take these off so like for her to be in that role and play that role, I thought she did an amazing job. But like <clears throat> one of the things about Mrs. America, so it, it really talks about like a lot of like the women's lib movement in the seventies and um, how there were women who fought against the equal rights act. And you would think like, why in the world would these women fight against 
something that was trying that supposedly was trying to help them. But her character, when she, when she explains like why her and her group were against it, even though I didn't agree with it, I understood where she was coming from. But like, so like in that, in that show, there's like so much casual misogyny um, <laughs> as, you know, just to show like how it was at the time and like how some women did not see it as a problem, but it's like, you know, she wants to do something simple. Like she wants to get a credit card or something. Well, up until like the eighties, the eighties, Joe, 1980 in the year of our Lord, you could not be a woman and get a credit card without your husband co-signing it. <laughs> That's astounding. What Just because there's an assumption that? that, well, you don't have a job. You don't make money. Your husband's going to be the one paying this bill. Yeah. Clearly, well, he's going to need to sign off for this. <laughs> well, clearly, your delicate lady brains don't understand finances. So <laughs> we'll let this person with a penis do it because clearly penis equals math skills. <laughs> so it's like, what? And And... She like she it's it's like she doesn't see what's wrong with that. And like she's like trying to do like this political career and she's like going on these talk shows and she's really advocating for like women to be staying in those sort of like mother wife roles. And she's doing it in a way that, like, is putting her front and center. And, like, you see these men really patronizing her and telling her, you know, oh, it's, it's, you know, I'm so glad that you smile as much as you do because I just hate women that don't smile. It just makes them look so angry all the time. <laughs> yeah, we're angry all the time. There's a reason why. Wow. But, like, those kinds of, like, casual remarks – um, the fact that she has to go to her husband's job and have him sign off so she can go open a bank account so that she can go get a credit card so that she can go do anything that any other man could do is just, it's insane to me that that's in my lifetime <laughs> that that was a thing. That it's is crazy. Wild. It's just wild. So with with Kate Blanchett's character, you said that their group had like a, a specific reasoning that they were like, what were some of the things that she was saying was the reason to to keep things the way they were? So like their main, their sort of main argument was I, if you're creating a separate amendment for me, well, then that means that I never had any rights to begin with. I don't need a piece of paper to tell me what my rights are. I'm an American citizen. I have those same rights. Like that was kind of the way that they approached it. And her group, I mean, they're probably like the equivalent of like the, the sort of very conservative right wing groups that we have today. And they were women who were like, well, if you pass this act, you're going to be able to draft women into the army. I don't want to go to war. That's not, you know, what I want to do. I want to stay home and I want to take care of my kids and I want to be a stay-at-home mom. And it was like the other side of the of the of the coin on that. You know, you have like a woman, you you have an actor playing Gloria Steinem, you know, one of the like most recognizable people in the feminist movement who's like 
No one's saying you can't do those things, but we're fighting to give every woman the choice. And, and I think that's to me, what I don't understand even today of, you know, women who are like, it's hard for me to wrap my head around it. To be honest is like, well, I don't, I'm not a feminist because I, I'm a stay at home mom. Well, no one's saying you can't do that. You, you could be a stay at home mom if that's what you want to do. But it shouldn't be but, your only option. <laughs> exactly. And like, why not give women the choice to say, I would like to go and be in the business world and become a, a CEO if that's what you want to do. Or I want to, you know, be a stay at home mom, or I would like to have a family and have a job, uh, you know, like a man does. <laughs> so why, why couldn't, why wouldn't you want to fight for that choice? But it's, it's sort of like that whole thing of like, well, this is what's right for me. Therefore it must be right for every person like me. And, and it's like, no, that's not the way it works, <laughs> but you know, I don't know. It's, it's even now it's, it's hard for me to wrap my head around it. When I, when I hear women say I'm not a feminist cause I stay home and take care of my kids. You can you you can do both. You can be both of those. They are not mutually exclusive. You can be a feminist and be a stay-at-home mom as as long as that's what you want to do and not what you feel like that's your only choice. That's, it's just ugh. That's the problem with humans and their labels. I mean, we have to fucking yes. put labels on everything, classify everything down to its own little box. And when you start doing that with humans, all of our personalities are so very different. And also, we change over time. We have the ability to evolve in thought and evolve mm -hmm. as a person. And I think a lot of people who are closed-minded and have, you know, small-minded views of the world have a, a really hard time accepting that sort of evolution. That, yeah. you know, things do change and the world is, the world is in a constant state of change and it's not a fixed state and i think that that makes people very uncomfortable um i i think especially the more you know indoctrinated into you know however extreme your faith goes i think the more extreme you get with that the more detached you get from reality because you have to be detached from reality to you know whole hog believe in basically all this shit that you've just been indoctrinated with Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's yeah, yeah no, it's I, it's fucking sad <laughs> i mean it bums me it, out that people can get conned that easy yeah no i totally hear what you're saying um I, I think too like we as humans we tend to we i i think as humans we like to put things in boxes right and this box is for t-shirts and this box is for blue jeans and this box is for underwear like we, we we like that sort of organizational compartmentalizing thing and and that's fine for like organizing your clothes or like your your art supplies but like that's not great for people because nope. <laughs> people are very rarely just one thing you know as you said like people are people have layers people are multifaceted people as much as I believe that there is that there are people in this world who are who are purely evil, 
I do think that there are people who are, you know, I don't know if I would go so far as to say that they're purely good, but I think 99% of the population is we're somewhere in that gray area, you know, like, like you may not, you know, be drowning puppies or kicking a box of kittens, but I think we all are capable and, and, and do things that are not right. And maybe we regret them later, but there are people, I think we all make choices. I think we all make decisions and we all do things that we fall in that gray area somewhere between good and bad. Every day you have to wake up and choose what you're going to do that day. And I think all of us, some days you wake up and choose violence and some days you wake up and choose kindness and, and there's a lot of reasons why you might wake up and choose one or the other or something else even. So we, we, we don't fit in boxes. And I think that frustrates people sometimes. <laughs> yes, definitely. And, and, and I feel like the people who are in charge know that as long as you can just have one side, keep nettling the other and vice versa, you're going to get so wrapped up in that petty little shit that you're not going to be able to organize enough to do anything about the big problem. And that's how the yeah. status quo is maintained and the big fucking wheel just keeps turning. And, oh, yeah. Ugh. But, you know, hey, our latest distraction this week. What did the, <laughs> what did the five fingers say to the face? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck is happening in the world, Rebecca, when like America's sweetheart, Will Smith, gets up on stage and bitch slaps another human being on fucking live television like did did he just absolutely torpedo his image i uh no to be honest with you i don't think he did i think i think will smith will continue to make movies and make money chris rock will make movies and make money jada smith will make movies and make money like nobody is coming out of this with like oh well we'll never work with will smith now that's not gonna happen he's way too big of a star I mean, yeah, it's, but that's not like the craziest thing that's ever happened at the Oscars either. But well, it, no, it far from it. Yeah, it definitely was quite shocking. It absolutely was very shocking. There are people who were saying it was staged. <laughs> and I, I when I first saw the video, I was like, it was like five in the morning. I was very sleepy. I was sitting on the toilet and I'm like, what is going on here? I'm like, and I'm watching it without sound because it's very early in the morning. <laughs> I'm like, what is right. going on here? And so like, yeah, the first five minutes of me watching it is like, this has to be staged. And then I, like found the version with sound and I was like, Oh, that is clearly not staged. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I don't, uh, uh, yeah, I don't think that was staged either, but, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was wild Joe. And it's, it's some professional wrestling level shit, not stuff you expect to see at the Academy Awards. Oh, we got some Skype sounds. I think I lost Rebecca. Okay, we're back. Got the internet thing straightened out. All right, good. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're talking about the, the slap heard around the world. Man, you know, and it's just... It's such a shame that it happened because 
Like, it's overshadowed, like, other milestones that happened that night. Like, for Will Smith being a black man to win the Oscar, right? And then for Jane Campion, who is unfortunately problematic, to be a woman who won a director's Oscar. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Samuel L. Jackson gets a Lifetime Achievement Award as a black man. Like, there were a lot of, like, really great things that happened. The, the actor from CODA who's deaf got an Oscar. And then, like, it came out that he worked with the he worked with Star Wars to develop the sign language for the Tuscan Raiders, and I was like, oh my god! All everybody could talk about is the slap, and I just uh, just overshadowed, just overshadowed so many other really great accomplishments. I mean, not that I think the Oscars like are the end all and be all of awards because the Oscars are so political and. And about, you know, who wins what every year. But, like, they do mean something. And to actors especially, like, I'm sure the people who have won Oscars have them on their... I mean, I would display it. If I were a fucking Oscar, I'd display it. Even if I thought the whole thing was dumb, I'd be like, yeah, but I won it. Like, somebody's <laughs> like my stuff. Like, I'd still display it. <laughs> I read an article. I think it was... Was it maybe Kate Winslet? Does she have an Academy Award? I, I believe yes, I believe she did win an Oscar. Okay, yeah, I was thinking that the, that it was her that that. So anyway, story. If if I have the the wrong actress, sue me. Um, was that she keeps her Academy Award in the bathroom so that guests can hold it and give acceptance speeches in the mirror without feeling judged, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was really clever. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, Kate 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 Winslet's another really great actor in Hollywood. Oh, did you watch Mayor of Easttown? You know, that is a show I have not jumped on yet. And I, I'm sorry to say I have not watched it yet, but I want to watch it. It's phenomenal. Um, miniseries. Nothing, but I've heard nothing but good things about it. Um, to me, it's like, we've got some really incredible women acting like right now. Like we've got Kate Winslet. We've got Tony Collette. We've got, um, I mean, of course you have like, you know, Meryl Streep who's been acting forever. Um, but like, we've got some really talented women, Anya Taylor-Joy, like who are just, they take such interesting roles, Vanessa Kirby, and they just kill it. They just kill it in every single role that they get. And it's like, how are you so talented? Oh my <laughs> God. Like, I can't even believe how talented they are. Like I, I'm, and not not to say that like, we don't have really great men who are acting. Of course we do. But like the, my the I guess my my personality or the 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 nature of what I'm drawn to is I am drawn to watching incredible women on screen because we've had you know, such a long history in Hollywood of just women just being reduced to the, such terrible roles and, and having to endure terrible things, you know, the whole Harvey Weinstein stuff and the Bill Cosby stuff of having to just endure terrible things just to like make it in Hollywood that like seeing these women who are just like incredible actors and incredible directors just really just being their own person it just i don't know it just it fills me with so much joy like to see see these women succeed it it just makes me so happy 
Yeah, well, you brought up uh, Anya Taylor, uh, Anya Taylor Joy. Uh, did you see last night in Soho? Oh, I loved that film. Oh, it was oh, so my good. God, what an incredible film! Honestly, like last year, I saw like some really great films toward the end of the year, and when I saw last night in Soho, I said. Unless I see something better than this, this is my favorite film of the year. Oh, I nice. Loved. And to be honest, at the end of the year, I did see Belfast, and that became my, my favorite film of, of last year. But like, oh, nice. Um, last Night in Soho was so well done. And like Edgar Wright, oh my God, what a talented director. And the way he uses music in his films, the way that he, you like, like with Baby Driver, how he, he, picked the soundtrack first and then shot the movie and then, then wrote the film. Like, I mean, he based the film on the soundtrack. I, that's unhurt. Like who does that? Nobody does that, but he did. And it was just, Oh my gosh. Yeah. L- last night in Soho, the, the effects were like seamless. Oh, I love the effects when, in it. Yeah. Oh my God. And the acting was just so, so good. Oh my goodness. Soundtrack was really great. All the costume work in it and the way they made London look like it was the late sixties again. Uh, Plus the story I thought was really fun too. Like it was Mm -hmm. like, I'm, I'm usually pretty good at guessing what's going on in movies like that. And it really wasn't until, you know, that moment with the envelope where I was like, Oh shit. (laughs) And then I was like, you should have seen that so much earlier <laughs> oh my god same like i was like all right i think i i've seen enough movies to know where this is going and then i was like oh wait maybe i don't know where this is going oh i did not know where this was going okay now i do yeah. where it's going like it was one of those and um i just oh my gosh did you see anya taylor joy in emma uh no i've not seen that it's um that was directed by Oh, it was directed by a woman, and I'm oh my god, I'm blanking on her name. Oh shoot, and I really loved that movie. Um, so I mean, it's it's the story of Emma. It's it's the Jane Austen story of Emma. It's definitely a period piece, um, which I love period pieces, and I, I'm a big Jane Austen fan because it's another talented woman who wrote about just how exhausting men are. Because she's not wrong. Sorry, guys, but you are. <laughs> <laughs> you could be very exhausting. Um, she just wrote about how exhausting men were. And I, I was can just imagine. like, girl, girl, same, same. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I'm sure, I'm sure there's plenty of men like, women are exhausting too. I get it. We're all exhausting. People in general are just terrible, but <laughs> we're all just terrible. <laughs> there are just some key differences between the sexes and, you know, and in, in, in how they think that are somewhat undeniable. I mean, you know, stereotypes exist for a reason, but I always go back to the time that, James Wetzel came over and we were climbing out in the garage and we were out there for like two hours or something like that. And then afterwards he left, I go back in the house. I'm talking with Lindsay. She's asking me all these like probing questions into James's life. And I'm just, I don't know. I don't know. And she's like, what the fuck did you guys talk about out there for two hours? I'm like all sorts of shit. And she's like, but you don't know anything about what's going on in his life right now. I'm like, I guess not. (laughs) I'm like, none of that shit came up. Yeah. It's really interesting to me. Um, it's very interesting to me too what you're saying about how the way we communicate. Like when I get together with like some of my best girlfriends, I mean, we can talk for hours and we talk about like all kinds of things. Obviously, like 
you know, heavy stuff, light stuff, movies that we watch or music we like or whatever. But then, like, we can also have like, these really deep conversations all in the span of, like, the same conversation. And then – but – and I don't know if it's just the way men think or if it's the way society tells men that they should think that there's not as much open communication and – it's very, it's very interesting to me. It really, really is. And because I've always been the type of person that likes to communicate and tries to communicate cl as clearly as possible. Um, and I enjoy listening to other people like telling me about what's important to them and how they feel about things. And because I feel like it helps me understand them better. But I, I don't know, like I've met a lot of men that just do not feel that way. And I I, I, I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's hardwired into who we are or if it's a societal thing or maybe it's both. I have no idea. <laughs> I, I think men are just more maybe task like oriented, task wired, because it's like, yeah, I hung out with James for two hours. What did we talk about? Probably climbing stuff when it mm -hmm. wasn't, you know, because that's what we were doing. We were climbing. We would have been talking about, you know, like, oh, didn't make that move. Okay, we'll maybe try it this way or try it this way, you know, like task oriented talking about that sort of stuff and if not that I, then me personally if i'm hanging out with my friends and i'm not talking about the task at hand then i'm probably saying something to try and make somebody laugh right <laughs> you know because it's like that's fun so um but i i'd imagine that's what the entire time out in the garage was <laughs> talking right. about climbing and trying to make james laugh <laughs> no and i i understand that too like I, I do think that sometimes men do think more task oriented and talk that and talk about like just what they're doing. And, uh, but it's, it's really interesting to me because I've, I read a really interesting article ages and ages ago about, you know, even the way that like men and women give directions, like reveals how people think. And it said that, you know, men tend to, and this is, you know, very generalizing and not everybody does it this way, but like a lot of men tend to give, like if you ask somebody, hey, how do I get, you know, to such and such a place? Oh, well, you want to go north two miles, then you want to turn left and then stay on that road for another mile and then turn right. Whereas if you ask women like for directions and I do this too, I, I do it too. How do I get to this place? Oh, so go down the block until you hit the Burger King and then make a left and then keep going. And then when you see the Starbucks, you're going to make a right. But if you've hit Dunkin' Donuts, you've gone too far. Like, so <laughs> men tend to give directions in, in like North, South, East, West, and women tend to orient themselves like by landmarks i do that myself like i tell people like if someone asks for directions i tell them how to get places based on landmarks and to me that just like makes the most sense and i don't know i i i guess that's a hardwired thing i i guess because uh i i'm guilty of it too <laughs> guilty like it's something bad but like that's the, i do that myself I give people directions based on landmarks. <laughs> <laughs> I guess with, with me, but this, this could be because it's like, I'm, I, I, I tend to be very, I try to be exact about lots of things. So for me, it's like, if I'm giving somebody directions, it's like, I'm definitely going to give you road names. And yes. but barring that I will fall back on like descriptions. 
because yeah. it's like the amount of times that like I've given people directions on how to get to like pictured rocks County park, which is like a, a rock climbing place in Iowa. We'd be like, okay, you're going to take 151 North and then you're going to, and you're going to get off and you take a right on highway 38. And then eventually you're going to see a sign that says camp courageous this way. And you're going to take a left and you're going to go past camp courageous. And then that turns into the drive for pictured rocks. And then you're going to get to a T intersection by the river and you're going to take a left and then find a place to park. And there you Mm -hmm. are. And yeah. So I don't know. That is an interesting, that is an interesting difference though. Um, But like, I don't know, like we were saying earlier that, you know, everybody and people are so different that these are totally just broad generalizations. (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure there's plenty of, men who navigate by landmarks and women who give directions, you know, north, south, east, west, but like, um, you know, very, very generalized sort of idea of just, <laughs> and I, I think it's extremely interesting to try to understand how people think like, Oh yeah. If, even if somebody has a point of view that I like absolutely disagree with, I do want to hear why you feel that way. Like explain to me, why you feel the way that you do. I want to understand how you came to that conclusion. What in your life or what in your experiences in life has led you to this point? Because then I feel like, okay, now I understand you as a person and I can, I can, I can relate to you better. And and maybe that's where like the more communication or the more talking comes from because Sometimes like, you know, when, when I'm talking to my friends and the, or people I just meet and they tell me things about their life, in my mind, it's like, oh, so that's why you have, that's why you do this particular thing. That's why you think this particular way. <laughs> that's and why I'm you like, act this way. <laughs> oh, that's why you're a shitty person. Got it. Yeah, yeah. No, but like, it's not always a shitty person, but like. <laughs> But, like, sometimes people do, like, shitty things, and then you're like, why in the world would you fucking do that? And then, you know, sometimes they might share, you know, they might share, like, some, you know, I don't know, terrible thing that happened to them. And it's like, okay, I get it. I don't like what you did, but I understand why you did it. Like, I I don't think it's right, but I do understand where you're coming from. And I don't know, for me, that just, it just it tends to help me to understand and try to get along with people that I, you know, disagree with on certain things. I mean, there are certain things that I'm sure everybody has their line of like, if you feel a certain way, like I, you can never be a significant part of my life. But like, if, if it's something that I can get past because I understand why you're doing it, then I'm like, okay, we can at least get along because I understand why you're like this way. Yeah, I know in my past experience in life, I've I could definitely do to be better about that because I feel like once somebody has explained their point of view and I've explained my point of view, depending on what it is, if they're still entrenched in what they think and it's absolute fucking bullshit then it like i absolutely lose my patience and then i can't do it like i remember there was this one guy i knew a while back who was like very staunch conservative and like you know listen to rush limbaugh all day type personality and 
This was back when that Supreme Court case, or it might have gone up to the Supreme Court. Do you remember when there was that county clerk in Kentucky? I think her name was Kim Davis, and she wasn't approving marriage licenses for gay people because it was against her religion when she was on like marriage number four. And it was like, get the fuck out of here. You, you, you hold these religious like ideals so high that that's the reason why and not because you're a fucking bigot and you're just trying to stick it to some people that you don't agree with their lifestyle and you have a modicum of power. And so you're flexing that on them, you know, and like this dude's argument to me was, well, we don't know her. We don't know what's in her heart. And I was like, I said, dude, actions speak louder than words. And her actions are hateful. So hate is what's in her heart. No, no, yeah. no. I, I just can't accept that. No, she's a person of God and in our faith and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you're using your faith as a cheap excuse to like keep other people down. I was like, does that sound like a healthy expression of a loving God? No, it sounds like some bullshit that human beings came up with to try and fucking oppress each other. Get the fuck out of yeah. here with that shit. And I remember then I just, I was like, I'm not talking to you anymore. I was yeah. like, I don't want to talk to you. Every time I come by here, you, you fucking bring these opinions to me and it fucking raises my blood pressure and makes me upset that you're this fucking thick of a human being. And you can't, that you can stand here and espouse this fucking bullshit to me that you're just repeating this fucking garbage that just comes over the radio and Fox news and all this shit. And, and you're not understanding how fucking out, like, I remember him saying something about like, oh, they need to cut all the, the, the food assistance to all these families. And I'm like, well, how are some people going to feed their kids if they're down on their luck? Well, you know, if they, if they can't feed their kids and the government just needs to step in, take them away. And I said, so now you're advocating oh that the government goes God. in and breaks apart families of poor people when, when it's the system itself, that is the reason, one of the reasons, not the reason, but one of the big reasons that a lot of people are poor, it's because the fucking system around them doesn't give them a chance. They don't, you know, like these fucking conservative people like to, and this is like the conservative bash fest. And, and if I have conservative listeners, you know, I, I'm amazed you've made it this long. But, <laughs> but, but fucking quite honestly, it's like, well, there's so many things on your side that are like just used as a way to like oppress people. And it's so fucked up. And And I don't agree with like, I'm not hardcore liberal either. Those people that are way out there on the fringe of the liberal side scare the fucking shit out of me too. But you got to meet somewhere in the middle. And and if you got, if you're so entrenched in your fucking and blinded by your ideologies that a county clerk refusing to give marriage license to gay people and saying that, oh no, no, she's just very strong in her faith. It's like, she's not strong in her faith. She's on her fourth fucking marriage. Okay. E- either she had a string of dead husbands or, oh, she divorced. And it mentions the sin of divorce in the Bible a fuck of a lot more times than it does about lying with a, a man lying with another man. So mm-hmm. you, you're cherry picking the Bible to oppress people. Get the fuck out of here with that. Oh, yeah. No, I, Joe, what's this guy's name? I just want to talk to him. I just, I, I just want to talk. Just, <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually don't. No, I, I for sure remember his real first name. I don't remember his last name. I remember his, his nickname because he, he looked like that Butterbean boxer from Mike Tyson's not <laughs> punch out. This guy was a fucking moron. His the, people who knew him told me this story that he showed up somewhere. He drove his work. He drove his personal van along with somebody else and they threw a two wheeler 
you know, like a dolly, like a furniture mover. They threw it in the back of this dude's van and then got to where they were going. And then the one dude's looking for Butterbean and he's like, where, where the fuck is this guy? He's wandering around this fucking place, pushing a baby stroller. And he's oh like, what the fuck is that? Where's the two wheel cart? Oh, I grabbed the wrong thing. Oh my God. This fucking moron, dude. <laughs> fucking absolute. Mor- I remember one of the funniest things though. I gleefully told him about seeing this thing on the chive years ago when um <laughs> when the force awakens first came out some dude got on some fucking conservative forum on on facebook and said han dies you motherfuckers don't deserve star wars <laughs> oh my god and i remember telling that guy that story and like he looked so hurt and sad and he's like oh i don't think that's funny at all i'm like that's the funniest shit ever you guys don't deserve star wars fuck you that is hilarious <laughs> i do not i really have a hard time understanding people who have those core beliefs and then have the nerve the fucking audacity to be like oh but i love star trek and i love star wars yeah it's like you don't get the message of it (laughs) i'm i'm like I, i i sit there and i'm like buffering 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 i don't understand how you can watch those things who the hell was rooting for the fascist empire? No, the rebels were Nobody. anti-fascists. Literally were anti-fascist heroes. They were literally Antifa. Like, I don't understand. And then you get on, and then you watch Star Trek, and I'm like, you, you do understand that Star Trek is all about people peacefully coexisting <laughs> with, uh, it's basically a socialist society. I don't really <laughs> understand <laughs> And they don't even use fucking money. Like, I don't understand. It does not compute. And I don't, uh, I don't get it. Like, who watches the Hunger Games and is rooting for President Snow? Nobody (laughs) is rooting for President Snow. Only people rooting for President Snow is President Snow. Like, nobody else is rooting for him. Everyone's rooting for Katniss because she stood up to an oppressive government. And it's like, I, I don't understand. <laughs> like, th- this is where, like, I really, I really, these are the things I can't wrap my head around. I don't understand it. And, or, like, people who watch Star Trek and they're like, oh, it's so political now. Now? Now it's political. Now. <laughs> it's always been political. Oh, my God. Where have you been? They did a whole episode where there was a planet of people, this is the original series, the 1960s, which was not the most woke time in history, where the planet has a race of people that have their left side of their face is black and the right side of their face is white, and then the other half of the planet is reversed. The right side of their face is black and the left side of their face is white. And they're literally having race wars over it, over who's better and Kirk is like you're all a bunch of fucking morons you're all like you're literally the same people like what the hell it's always been political and it always <laughs> will be and you know or like like right now on like Star Trek Discovery you know you've got characters that are openly gay you've got characters that are transgender that are non-binary and they're like oh Star Trek is so woke um, I hate to break it to you, but it's always tried to be woke. Like, it didn't always succeed, 
but it's tried to be woke a lot. So for you to be upset now, I, I don't, where have you been the last 50 plus years? I, I don't, I don't really know where you've been. You haven't been watching Star Trek, clearly. No <laughs> kidding. Like, I mean, have. wasn't the Kirk O'Hara kiss like the, like a television first? It was like one of the first interracial kisses. Yeah. Um, and it was like people, I mean, people wrote angry letters to the, to the network and, and this is disgusting and this is against nature. And I mean, all kinds of hateful, filthy, disgusting things. And how dare you have like, Kurt kiss that super hot lady that makes me uncomfortable in my racism. You're making how me confront this. How dare you make me realize I'm actually racist? How dare you, sir? Like, it's it's just one of those things where, yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. Like, it's, I guess it's one of those things of, like, I think there are people that have a hard time empathizing with things that they've never experienced in their lives. Like, and because it's never happened to them, they don't think it's a problem. Right. Oh, a hundred percent. Basically, so like, there's a litmus te- there's a litmus test for that. It's like mention white privilege, and if you see steam coming out of their ears, it's like, ooh, you've got some racism you haven't confronted yet. Yeah, like I get it. Um, like even even like my own mom, who I love dearly, I love my mother dearly, and she grew up in the '60s. She grew up. She grew up seeing, you know. Uh, race riots. She grew up seeing the civil rights movement, and her being her being white, it didn't affect her the same way that it affected uh, African American people. So, when like the Black Lives Matter movement really started and started to gain like a lot of attention and really became like a movement, um one of my sisters was talking to her about the black lives matter. And my mom said, lives matter. And my sister said to her, understanding that my mom is from a different generation said to her, no one's saying that all lives don't matter. It's not saying only black lives matter. It's saying black lives matter because we need to call attention to a real problem in this country. And like my mom sat with that for like a minute. And then she was like, Oh, okay I, I get that 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 makes sense and and like it, it took her a second but she understood that now i'm not saying my mother's gonna go to like like black lives matter like rallies or anything um but she understood the sentiment behind the movement so even though it doesn't affect her in that way because she's not a person of color she understood the sentiment of it once my sister like kind of reasoned with her a little bit. And then she was like, Oh, I get it. Okay. That makes total sense now. And, and I guess maybe that's where I get it from of like, even though certain things have never happened to me or have never been my struggle, I can, I have eyes in my head and I, I could see the struggle other people are going through and I can empathize and say, wow, I can only imagine how difficult that must be. How can I help? And and I don't think everybody, every person has that ability. Um, not everybody has empathy. 
And that's an incredibly sad thing to think about that we as a human, as the human race, there's not enough empathetic people to try to understand someone else's struggle and how difficult things must have been for them, even though they didn't go through it. And I don't know if that's something you can learn, Joe. I, I, I think you're either, I don't know. I, I feel like you're either born with it or you're not. And, and maybe some people have to struggle with it to try to at least try to be empathetic, but Oh my gosh, it's very frustrating. It's very frustrating when you just don't see that empathy and, and, and you are an, an, an empathetic person. It's, it's very saddening to see that in other people. Oh yeah. I, I think there's a fair amount of the population that just, they don't empathize at all unless they have some sort of skin in the game. But if it, mm-hmm. if it's not happening to them or, or somebody they care about, then they don't care about it. Yeah. You know, because they're able to just put blinders onto that, apparently, and just conveniently look the other way. And and that's one of those things where I've always had a real problem with looking the other way, uh, you know, especially like what I was saying earlier, when it comes to injustice type things. And mm-hmm. and dude, after 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 George Floyd was killed and then some uh, such a huge spotlight was shined on all these different instances of cops just wholesale murdering brown people and fucking getting away with it it's like something needs to change here something needs to happen because it's not okay that that somebody can just murder somebody and be like well i was afraid for my life it's like well maybe you shouldn't have such a scary fucking job you know maybe and and i'm not saying that i mean being a cop has got to be one of the hardest things ever and like there are you know, there are people in my family that are law enforcement officers. And it's like, I, so I don't want to give off this impression that I hate cops, but I hate people that abuse authority. And Mm -hmm. I've met a lot of them in my life that were fucking cops that abused authority, that were just outright fucking pricks just for the sake of being a prick. And it was going to be their way or there was going to be fucking consequences and you just have to give respect because we're demanding respect because this badge says it. And it's like, I, I don't, I don't agree with that. If, if you want respect from me to come up and get in my face and say, you give me fucking respect right now, boy, that's the last way you're going to get it. In fact, it's going to oh, push yeah. me the opposite way. And I don't know. There's a, there's a reason that Rage Against the Machine clicked for me when I was like fucking 14 years old. <laughs> And... I get it. I, I absolutely get it. It's like, it's, there was a case several years, it's more than several years at this point, it's probably about 10 years ago. And I mean, it's certainly, it's, I am 100% sure it's not an isolated case where there was a, a woman who was at a bar and she uh, was intoxicated because when you go to a bar that happens sometimes you drink too much and because we're all human and we do sometimes drink too much or indulge too much in certain things. And I don't know, I don't recall the circumstances of what happened. Somebody called the police and the police took her home because she was, she was intoxicated and could not get home by herself to the point that uh, the police brought her upstairs into her apartment and then they kept her keys and then they came back later and then they both raped her. 
And when the woman uh, was at some point, she recalled what happened. She remembered what happened. She filed charges and the cops excuse, both of them. And I shit you not, this was their excuse. She was wearing a really tiny skirt or a a very form fitting outfit. And I just couldn't control myself. Uh. Well, then maybe, maybe you shouldn't have a fucking gun that you could kill people with. Maybe that should be a determining factor whether you get to strap a firearm on and go enforce the law. Like, this was their genuine defense. Yeah, that that sounds like a guilty plea to me. If, like, if that's your defense, like, she was really fucking sexy and I just couldn't control myself. Well, that sounds like guilty to me. We're going to throw you in a deep, dark fucking hole with other monsters because you're a fucking rapist. What the fuck, man? That's like they're they're siding with the asinine shit in, you know, the Sharia law countries where they make women dress in that, was it, burqa? That full fucking thing because, and it's all because, well, if you show a little bit of ankle... These dudes are going to get so horny, they're not going to be able to fucking handle it. And it's like, well, fucking, it sounds like you have a real problem with controlling and teaching the boys in your fucking society to, like, be men that aren't fucking horrible. Yeah, this is the, this is the thing that, this is one of, like, the examples of, like, the fucking patriarchy is that the onus is always put on the woman, right? Or, or the, or the victim, excuse me, because there have been of course, men that have been violated as well, right? Oh, it's what they were wearing. Oh, it's how they were acting. Oh, it's how they look. Oh, I'm sorry that I exist and I enjoy wearing these clothes. What the hell? Why can I not exist in this world? Why am I not allowed to wear what I want to wear, but you're allowed to wear what you want to wear? Like, what? That an excuse of like, I couldn't control myself. Well, that sounds to me like you should be chemically castrated. I, I don't know. Why don't we try you're not that? Fa- you're not because- far off the mark because if you're going to, in a court of law, say, oh, me and my buddy raped this lady because we just couldn't help ourselves. You're not a human. You're an animal. And, and like an animal, you probably should be castrated and you should be locked up in a cage where you're kept away from you know, society, because you just fucking stated in a court of law that you can't exist in a society of rules because, oh, oh, she was just so hot. I couldn't help myself. That's not an excuse. That's that's never a fucking excuse. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, the whole the whole Brock Turner incident, right, where this kid. Kid, uh, it makes it sound like he shouldn't have any responsibility. This person um saw a woman who had she had she was unconscious like she had i think she had she had maybe drank too much or or whatever the circumstances were she was unconscious she was uh i think behind, i think she had passed out like next to a dumpster or something and this college student decides oh this woman is fucking asleep um i guess i'll just rape her which he does and then the judge in the case lets him off with no jail time, no consequences for his actions because he's a young man and he has his whole future ahead of him. And this one sad mistake 
would just ruin his whole life. What about her whole life? She's a young person too. She has her whole life in front of her as well. Why is her life less important than his? Yeah, she did nothing wrong. And this dude, it's like he's a fucking monster. Somebody who thinks so little of another human being that they would do that to them is... That's a fucking monster. There's there's no... Anybody who says a boys will be boys excuse, it's like, no, you're a fucking, you're an enabling piece of shit to say something like that, because that is not okay. It's like, yeah. dude, I'm a, I'm a red-blooded fucking heterosexual male. The, the fucking wild sex thoughts that go through my head on a daily basis, I, I'm sure that that really sucks if you're single, because... I mean, oh my God, if, if if my wife were to start telling me two stories about the fucking horrible shit that I say to her, <laughs> because it's like, you know, that that's my partner. She can hear this fucking crazy sexual thoughts that I have. Sure. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, that's that's a constructive outlet for it. <laughs> exactly. I'm, like, I'm, I'm trying I, to make a joke out of something that is not that funny. But, no, uh, <laughs> no, but, I, but, but you, you bring up a really great point, right? Because... Everybody's got kinks. Everybody's got things that they're into. Um, and there are there are there are people out there, there are women out there who have rape fantasies and rape kinks. But it's because it, they when you're free to act those out with a consensual partner where you both understand the rules and you both understand the boundaries and the guidelines and you both have agreed of this is what we're going to do and we're going to go this far and no further and here's our safe word. I mean, that's that's a healthy expression of whatever your kink happens to be. Yeah, but consensual like, was the big word there. Consensual would be the key word in that sentence, right? Like <laughs> that, That's the whole thing, right? It's like... Yeah, yes, and, and if somebody's beings, passed out next to a dumpster, there's no way that they can give consent. Yeah. How is that just, hard to grasp? I know. It's it's one of those things of like, and I've had, you know, I've stopped arguing with these kinds of people on the internet because it just gets you nowhere. But oh, like, good choice. Yeah, because <laughs> it's just like, okay, you know what? You're just, you're just an asshole. And you're never going to learn where it's like, oh, well, I guess I'll just never talk to a woman again. What is so fucking important that you have to say? Like, seriously, unless you're going to give me the cure to cancer. I, I mean, I don't know why you think it's okay just to intrude on another person's physical space to demand their attention while you talk to them. I just, I, you're not that important. And, and if it's, it's one of those things again, where it's like, excuse me, the, it makes it when when you're dating or when you're or not even when you're dating, but like if you're just existing in the world as a woman, it's it's just incredible to me how and, and Joe, you and I have talked about this before, like every day almost on public transportation when I commute to work, there there are just so there's just there's just men who want to talk. And you know it's happened, I mean, more times than I can count. I'm really just existing. I am just standing, waiting for a train. Hey, baby, how's it going? Why don't you smile? Blah, blah, blah. Want to talk to me? And I'll be like, eh, nope, no thanks. Can I get your number? No, you cannot. Oh, fucking bitch. You're not that high anyway. What the fuck is that about? 
Like yeah, that's it, something learn, I'll never understand. <laughs> learn to handle some rejection. We all get rejected in life. And if you shoot your shot and the person you're shooting it to is not interested, then guess what? You you didn't make that one. And and just go about your day and 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 leave that person in peace because they just I I don't know. It's just uh, sometimes it's it's just very frustrating to just exist. And and uh, why 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 are we always so angry? We're we're angry for a lot of reasons. <laughs> and you know what? They really are valid. I mean, uh, I see it on Twitter uh, all the time from like different women I follow. Well, they will post screenshots from you know their DMs. Where it's somebody reaching out to him like, like, hey, sexy lady, uh, yeah. And like, it'll start off with like, even if it starts off innocuous, as soon as the rejection comes, there's always a turn where it's the, oh, fuck you, you fucking bitch, you fucking slut, da, 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 da. And it's like, where's this hate coming from? <laughs> it's like, did you really expect to just DM a stranger on the internet that you thought she looked hot in her, her fucking avatar? And you're going to like, strike up some relationship? Like. I, I don't know. I, 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 I think I think some of that has to do with keyboard comfort also, you know, that oh, they, they feel insulated yeah. by that. And so they're, they're you know, number one, they're t- they're shooting a shot that they wouldn't take in real life and then going way over the board on the or way overboard on the reaction. But some of my favorites are when girls then have done detective work and then found out who that person's mother was and then forwarded those screenshots to the mother. Oh, amazing. Those women are my heroes. Yeah, that shit is the best. <laughs> it's like, because clearly, I can only imagine, like, like I'm going to put myself in a parent's shoes, because I've got two boys. And if I mm. were to get contacted by some, you know, strange woman on the internet that showed me messages that one of my boys spoke to a woman like that, oh my god, they would be in such deep shit. And, and not like not like I'm gonna beat the crap out of you. It's gonna it's gonna be the sort of conversation where it's like I'm gonna let you know how deeply disappointed in you I am, you know, because it's like you weren't raised this way, and I can't imagine that there's anybody who goes out and raises, you know, their their kids to be pieces of shit like that, or raises their sons to be misogynists or something. But there's something that definitely happens along the way, and I don't know if it's dudes who are super steeped in like the bro culture where they're just going out and just trying to have sex with as many women as they can, you know, like the, like the stereotypical, like frat guy type, you know, party frat guy type shit. Mm-hmm. Or, or if it's, if it's like, is it macho shit that comes from like the sort of energy that happens when dudes are like, you know, they're all alphas doing like teams, like, you know, from like the jock type perspective or, or, or if it's like the incel type stuff where it's dudes who never had a chance with women or, I mean, clearly it's a combination of all of these things that there are just things that happen in people's pasts or with the people they surround themselves or their community or whatever that leads them to thinking that these sorts of reactions are okay. And mm-hmm. man, it, it's, it's something that needs to be combated and it's it's fucking terrible every time and, and like i know there's there, i'm sure there's some men's rights activist that's listening to this right now that's flipping out talking, dude what about all the fucking terrible divorce settlements and stuff and it's like i'm not saying that it's all fucking roses for men but just like you know when you talk about black lives matter and people sp- you know stand up and say oh lives matter and it's like well, you're kind of doing the same thing there buddy 
I think historically yeah. women have gotten the short end of the stick when it comes to relationships with men a lot, you know, over history. And mm. I mean, nobody's nobody's passing laws. <clears throat> Sorry, I just coughed. <clears throat> nobody's passing laws that tell you, Joe Stark, how you can use your reproductive rights. No, nobody's passing laws on men's reproduction. Nobody's passing laws. Can you imagine if they passed a law tomorrow that said men, it was against the law for men to ejaculate unless it was in the act of actively trying to procreate? <laughs> yeah. Do you know the marches, Joe, the, the, <laughs> the marches, the entire male population of the United States would march on Washington with pitchforks and <laughs> and, just, and, and mass jacking off in the streets. Yeah, stop us! You. <laughs> you can't stop me. <laughs> but they pass laws every day that tell me how how I'm supposedly allowed and not allowed to use my body, and that's that's messed up. That is fucking messed up. Um, well, and then that yeah, same crowd I, has the audacity to use the my body, my decision argument when it comes to vaccines. Oh, my God. And it's like, you know, are you out I, of your fucking mind? <laughs> they have to be. I, I, It's hilarious that all of a sudden that has become the battle cry for all these anti-maskers, anti-vaxxers. My body, my choice. Oh, so you do understand. You do understand body autonomy. You just only understand it when it suits you. Got it got it <laughs> like it's uh, it's just so frustrating it's just you know it just it boils down to again that sort of like lack of empathy where it's like well i never had to go through that therefore it can't possibly be that that big of an issue or that big of a problem you know it's like it even like with with something like abortion rights like no matter how I personally feel about it for me, whatever my choice might be, doesn't allow me to dictate that choice for every other woman walking the planet. Like that, that's up to her, how she's going to react in different situations. It, it, it's wrong for me to then try to enforce what I personally believe on an entire population of people. Right. Like that, the, the day that they start forming women's or co committees staffed only by women to discuss to discuss men's health and men's rights, I, I'll just laugh. I will cackle. I will cackle in my room, Joe, about it because it's been it's been the reverse the entire the entire history of women that. Groups of men make decisions about women and don't ever consult us on what we might like or how we feel about something. Because our delicate lady brains just can't handle it, Joe. We just can't handle it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. With with that one, it's... Oh, God, can you can you imagine... If, if all of a sudden it was, it was like what you were just saying, an entire group of women, no men in it, and all of a sudden they're laying down laws that affect only the men. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, there would be huge fucking riots. Oh, my like, God. Like, it would just, it would be like, and, and, and you would get more of those, like, my body, my choice type arguments. 
and mm-hmm. and it would mm-hmm. be coming from those same people that don't listen to that argument when it's coming to the abortion thing because hilarious it's just i mean it's not funny but it is funny in that sense of like it, it when when it's presented like the shoes on the other foot suddenly oh i don't like that oh that's not right at all yeah that's what we've been fucking saying <laughs> it's not right <laughs> that's what we've been saying yeah <laughs> just let people live and and make their own choices if it doesn't affect you personally if if it if it affects people that if it doesn't hurt you in any way, if it's not going to negatively impact your life in any way, mind your business. Mind your own business. <laughs> it doesn't affect you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's that's the curb that so many people can't seem to get over is that they just need to be obsessed with what's going on in other people's lives and have some measure of control over it. And and. I, I don't know. Like, I'll never understand the gay marriage thing. Cause it's like, who, who cares? Who fucking cares if a guy marries a, a woman or a guy, or if a woman marries a guy or a woman, I, I could give a shit less. And, yeah, and frankly, I feel you? like, <laughs> frankly, I feel like in those relationships, those are the relationships where there's never an unwanted child because mm-hmm. they're, they're going to, you know, they, they can't procreate in this, in the same way that you know like a a man woman relationship would be able to you know gender titles aside <laughs> but you know it's like yeah. it's like they, they're not going to procreate in that same way they've, they've got to find some sort of way to actually seek out and take a child into that home and so it's like that's a home with two loving parents what is who cares and in the mm. argument that when people come and say well how am i going to explain this to my children it's like I don't think your kids are going to have a hard time with it. They're not, they're kids. Their, their vision of their first visions of the world are formed by your opinions of the world because they're little sponges and little copycats and they're copying your behavior. And if you're Mm -hmm. acting weird and there's a problem with it, then they're going to grow up thinking it's weird and a problem. Yeah. It's yeah. It's, it's interesting to me too. It's like, Oh, well there's a man kissing another man on the screen. How am I going to explain this to my kid? The same way you would explain if it was a man kissing a woman, those people love each other. They're expressing their love. I mean, I think all of us, I, I don't know about all of us, but like, I certainly remember being very young at, at some point asking, you know, my mom and my dad, like, where do babies come from? And like, I, I remember all of my mom's pregnancies because I'm the oldest, right? So I remember my mom being pregnant. I remember my mom coming home with, with, with a baby. And of course, a curious kid is like, well, you know, where, where did that baby come from? And, or how, you know, I, I can remember being little and my mom telling me like, oh, there's a baby in, in, in mommy's tummy, right? Like that's how usually I think parents explain or, or, you know, tell, tell kids, how did it get there? How did you, how did that baby get in your tummy? And, and I can, I can remember being young and my parents telling me, sharing with me their values of, of marriage and relationships and being like, well, you know, when a, when a mom and a dad, they love each other very much, they have a special way to show that love and then they can make a baby that way. And I, I can remember as I got older 
you know, and my brain started to think more and, and reason more, you need more information than just that, right? And so then your parents tell you little by little, you know, hopefully in a healthy way, like how how babies are made and where they come from and how it all works. And, you know, and, and that's where like, that's, and of course that's where your values as a parent come in, right? Like if you feel that, you know, it should only be within the confines of marriage, well, that's what you're going to teach your kids. Right. Um, but that's, I think there are enough progressive thinking people out there or we're getting to that point where they can really start to explain, well, you know, mommy loves your other mommy and, you know, uh, we, we, we got you from like, there, there's, there's ways to explain it. There's ways to make your kids understand it in a healthy way. And as long as like, you're emphasizing that it's out of love, I think you're on the right track. Like, I think, I think you're on the right track to helping your children understand that we create other people or we bring people into our lives through love. And if, how, how can that be a bad thing? Right? Like, I, I know that my parents loved each other very much. Um, and I, I understood too, that like, you want to express that love. You want to express that love in a, in a physical way. And, you know, sometimes the result is a baby, <laughs> a child. And, um, but at the core, I understood that it, it was because they loved each other. And, and I don't know, that was always like, oh, okay, that's great. You guys love each other. So you made another person. That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> well, and when it comes down to it, you know, love is just one of those basic human emotions that almost... I would wager that almost every human on the planet is at one point felt feelings of love. And when it's that same love that, you know, brings people together, regardless of, of, you know, sex, sexual orientation, all of that. It's like, how can you not just relate that? You know, it's like, okay, sure. I don't, you know, personally find men attractive in a sexual way, but I can understand that there would be other guys out there that do or that there's, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, I, it's not, it's not a bridge too far for me to accept that the world is different from my own experience, but we all have these same shared experiences, but it can happen in, and, you know, be expressed in, in different manifest in different ways. But when it comes down to it, it's, it's the same way. I don't understand like war. It's like, okay, these people have differences. Now they're going to fight and kill each other. Are there people on both sides that love their children and want to see their children grow up in a better world? Why are we right now making the world worse for our children? Let, you know, let's, let's stop this cycle of violence right now. So it doesn't carry on into our children's future and our children's children and so on and so forth. It's like, we all have these unique feelings and emotions and experiences that are, are unique to the human experience and it's like, sure, we've got a lot of differences as well, but we also have so many things that are similarities. And I feel like if more people could embrace those similarities, the world would just be a, b- a better place. But man, people mm-hmm. love to cling on to the divisions instead. Oh, my gosh. You know, it's so true because like I, I can remember God, this is like years ago. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and he was kind of on this whole like well, men and women are so different. They want different things. And, 
And I was like, at the end of the day, men and women want the same thing. They want somebody to respect. They want people to respect and love them for who they are. And at the end of the day, that's what all humans want. We want people to love and respect us for who we are, the way that we are. And whatever that means for you, then that's what that means for you. And for some reason, that is such a difficult concept for some people to understand or wrap their head around. And you're right. They do focus on what's different about us rather than saying what's similar about us. Like we're, we are social creatures. We want to be with other people usually. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's just, it's just when you are around so many people that are just exhausting is when you're like, Oh my God, I hate people. I don't want to be around anybody. I don't want anybody in my life because you've just encountered so much negativity that you just, you don't, you don't, who would want that much negativity in their life? Like no, nobody wants that. You want people to be like, Oh, this is a thing that's unique to you. Hey, that's great. I think that's awesome. But we both still love to talk about these other things too. So we still have a lot in common and, and yet that seems to be just very difficult to do. It's it's very mind it's mind boggling. It really is. <laughs> We're a confounding species. <laughs> I mean, I'm shocked we haven't blown ourselves up yet. I mean, it's at this point, I, I don't know. Like in uh, in in Star Trek history, we're only about 40-ish years away from first contact, right? Where, like, the Vulcans are passing by Earth and they notice that we've got warp capability and they're like, oh, let's go check out this primitive planet because now they clearly can go out into outer space and maybe they'll come to our planet, so let's go say hi. Um, and then that, that one event solidify or unites the planet in a way that nothing else could to be like, oh my gosh, we are not the only people out here. There are other species and other races of people. Let's get over our differences and let's be a united planet. Joe, I don't think we're going to get there. I hate to say it, but I don't think we're going to get there the way we're going. I mean, even if we somehow did manage to develop warp capability and go out into space, I think all the other alien races would be like, oh my God, it's the Earth people. Lock your doors. Those people are nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Don't look at them. Just don't engage with them. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen what they've done to their beautiful planet? Those people, they do not, they are not a forward thinking people. (laughs) I am convinced that the only reason why we have never been visited by aliens is because we are fucking nuts. I, I, I am a firm believer that the most, um, the most tangible proof that there is life in outer space is that it has not come here because they have looked at us and been like, no, thank you. They are not ready yet. (laughs) They are a mess down there. No, thank you. (laughs) Like I really are. They are not ready yet to be part of civilized galactic society. (laughs) Indeed. I mean, it's, it's one of the, they still trip out over people's sexual orientation. (laughs) Like they, they, they argue over, over, over genders and, and shit like that. It's like, these people are not ready. 
Yeah, they they argue over a black ooze that comes from dinosaur bones. They are clearly idiots. So <laughs> let's just not let's not even go there. Have you seen their television shows? No, thank you. <laughs> oh fuck! Well, I hope the human race can continue limping by because if nothing else, we're in a, a golden age of television content. So. So at least oh there's God. plenty of entertainment while the world fucking burns around us. The world the world cannot end until I see X-Men versus Avengers on the big screen. <laughs> it just can't, Joe. I have to live long enough to see that. When that happens, Joe, I could die the next day a happy woman. I, I need to see that on the big screen. X-Men versus <laughs> Avengers. Because until that happens, we have to hold it together a little bit longer. <laughs> Agreed. And Saga just came back from its hiatus. I mean, come on. Oh my gosh. Oh my. Hey, do you think they'll ever adapt Saga into like a television show or anything? Like, Ugh. part of me wishes they would, and then part of me is like, mm, you better not, because you'll probably ruin it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's one of those things to where I would, I would be very, I'd be very book snobbish about just because Saga is so close to my heart. Oh, that, sure. That it's a, it's, it's an like, incredible how, how, book. Would you, how would you, I mean, so many of the locations and so many of the different creatures in it are so out there that, I mean, it would have to have a huge budget. The CGI would have to be like, you know, like top tier Marvel level. Oh, yeah. And, wow. Well, and, back- and they'd really have to nail the casting as mm-hmm. well, you know. I mean, back in the day when like stars had done that first season of American gods. Um, I was like, Oh my God, let those, let, let stars develop um, a saga TV show. Like, Oh my God, like American gods. That first season was like bonkers. It was so incredibly well done and very like, it was just really like out there, like as compared to like other like comic book stuff you had seen before, but then stars cancels everything. So like now I'm like, mm, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> like, maybe HBO max, maybe like let them do it. I mean, they gave game of Thrones eight seasons. <laughs> let's, get, let's let them do saga or something like, yeah, that's, that's one of those like properties that like, I, I would love to see it on the big screen, but then I also would be terrified to see it on the, on, on the TV screen. <laughs> Yeah, agreed. Agreed. It it would be the most out there. I mean, it would be a very out there show and like it would have to have a huge budget. And mm-hmm. I I remember uh back in the day saying I'd really like to see like Tessa Thompson and Oscar Isaac, you know, in the in mm. the lead roles. Mhm. Mm-hmm. This would be really I mean, those great. are great choices. I mean, they're both really really good actors. Get Tom Hardy to play the Will. Oh my god, I love this casting. It's amazing. <laughs> he would be an amazing Will. Uh. Yeah. I mean, Tom, Tom Hardy's another guy who I just, I love. Any project he does, I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll go see it. Because it's Tom <laughs> Hardy and I, I like what he does. Him, Oscar Isaac, Tessa Thompson, she's another one. Like, I would go see whatever they were doing because it's just, it's probably going to be amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Rebecca, this has been the best time talking with you tonight. Oh, thank you. We were like all over the place, which I love about your show. That you really <laughs> totally. Can just go from like talking about Game of Thrones and comic books and then have a really deep dive into like all kinds of social injustice and then 
bring it back to Sokka. I love it. Oh yeah, no, that was I really I really enjoyed the social the social justice conversation with you, and it tickles me even more that there's probably somebody out there who hated it. Oh well, hey, I'm, I'm on Twitter. You can come yell at me on Twitter if you want to. It's fine. Everyone else does. So. Oh, that's funny shit. Well, tell people again. Uh, plug your podcast again. Yeah, um, I co-host Picard Cast with my our very good friend Brooke. Um, we are covering every episode of Picard that's on Paramount Plus, and um, all of season one, of course, is completed. It's up on our feed. We did do in the interim. We did some episodes. We called them personal logs, where we had a guest and they chose their favorite episode or movie of Star Trek, and we talked about it. And that was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed those conversations as well. And now that season two is live, we are covering season two every week. Um, yeah, and you can. Uh, we're on Facebook and Twitter. And then uh, if you want to talk to me on the interwebs, uh, I'm on Facebook and. Um, I'm on Twitter. My handle is dollface Rebecca, and uh, it's it's Rebecca spelled with K A H, not C C A. Awesome! Ah, oh, I always love talking with you. So thank oh, you so much again for coming on. Too. Oh, thanks for inviting me. I I told you before we started recording that I was looking forward to this all week, and I, I genuinely, truly was, and uh, did not disappoint because I always have great conversations with you. <laughs> Well, thank you so much uh, all for listening. Until next time, this has been StartCast. Finish the books, George R.R. Martin.